just talking about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have time. Like I, I mentioned to before we started recording, you asked me how I was doing. I was like, I just got off work doing 10-hour shifts, and they wanted me to do 12. Well, the last couple of days, they was like, hey, we need you to do 12. I'm like, no, I'll give you 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so even having that balance, mm-hmm. even in that, it was like, look, at some point, you got to cut it off. And so I was like, all right, I'll give you 10 the last couple of days. Maybe I'll give you 12 tomorrow. But no, you're only getting 10 right now. Turn this up. Turn this up. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Hi, I'm Paul Farandi, and welcome to Incredible Paul Leadership, where we learn how to become the most incredible versions of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, I have the honor of having Ernest James on the show. He's a man with a heart for people as a minister, mentor, and speaker. Ernest has dedicated his life to inspiring and uplifting others. He is an author, podcaster, speaker, and workshop instructor. He has been a guest speaker on several different podcasts and even hosts two of his own podcasts as well. So that was a little bit about you, Ernest, but introduce yourself the way you would do it. Um, well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, again, my name is Ernest James. And generally, I just like to say I'm a person who loves people. And so most of the things that I do, I do uh, to help other people. You know, I think that's the biggest way to be blessed is to uh, not so much worry about yourself, but to be a blessing to others. And then the blessings will return, you know? And so, uh, I, as you said, I'm a podcaster. I have two podcasts. Um, my original podcast, which is, um, the deal to heal with E James podcast. We are, uh, as of recording on episode 120, I think. Uh, so, uh, then my second podcast that I started, which is called the Girl Dead Discussions Podcast, which is a podcast that I started um, to kind of combat the the narrative of the fatherless daughters and you know fathers that are missing out in the lives of their daughters. And there's a whole story behind why I even got into that field. But uh, I do have one daughter uh, myself, and so on this on that podcast, I have conversations with other fathers talking about their relationship with their daughters. And then now I've started having daughters on talking about their relationship with their fathers too. So that's what we kind of do with that. Um, got some other uh, podcasts uh, in the works also. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's me in a nutshell. I'm also getting into stepping into the public speaking arena. Um, have done some speaking engagements and, and have some lined up to go into other schools and um, maybe some more corporate, corporate, um, things that I've been able to do uh, just to get into that thing. But like I said, at, at my core, I'm a person who who just loves people and loves to help people and like to see people win. So that's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, you, you love people and you stay really busy, too, it sounds like, between the yeah. two different it, podcasts. It sounds, it sounds more busier than it is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, t- t- you, you you said you, you might be a longer conversation, but talk to me about this girl dad conversation, girl dad podcast. You said it's for fatherless daughters. How yes. did you come up with? What made you want to start that podcast? So, um, a couple of years ago, I was going through some some issues in my marriage uh, with my wife and I, and when I started to really pay attention to the the things that we were having 
or the the conflict that we was having, I realized at its core it came from a difference of upbringing, right? So I was raised in a two parent household with my mom and my dad, and she was raised in a single mother household, and so that fatherless daughter and and those the things that kind of come with that. Um, as we came together as a family, me with um, my daughter for from a previous marriage, and then her and her with her sons from a previous marriage, and you know having this blended family, mm. um, we started having some some you know challenges, you know, yeah, and easy. in the midst of that, yeah, yeah. So in the midst of that, I started looking at my dating history, and I realized that every woman I've ever dated was a fatherless daughter, and so mm. I figured. For whatever reason, either I'm attracted to them or they're attracted to me, but we keep coming to contact with each other. And so being the person that I am, I said, well, how can I help, you know, this this community that I'm connected to for whatever yeah. reason? And yeah. so I started a, a page on Instagram called Friend Friend to Fatherless Daughters. It's actually still up. Um, it's called Friends of to friends to fatherless daughters. And so I just went on and I was giving my uh, point of view from a father, from a man, um, and from a, a, a brother, because I have five sisters. So seeing that relationship yeah. with my dad, with my sisters, and, and all of that, putting all that together. So I started this uh, page on Instagram called Friends to Fatherless Daughters. And so I would just go on and, and I would just talk about fatherless daughters and, you know, giving my viewpoint and, and tips to help and things that I believe that could be a benefit to them. And people start calling me and ask me to be on a podcast. And so wow. I was, I had never been on podcasts before. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I, I did one that one turned into two before you knew it. I was at like six or seven. Uh, wow. On uh, guest appearances on other people's podcasts, and that's actually how my podcast started. Because one of the one of the podcasts that I was on, I met the guy in person because it was kind of like this a virtual. And I met him in person, and we went out to lunch, and we were having a conversation over lunch. And he was like, "I think you need to have your own podcast." And so I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And fast forward 120 episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my podcast. And so one of the things, because of the, the work that I was doing with the fatherless daughters and that space, whenever I would have a father on that had a, a girl dad on the podcast, on my original podcast, I would always start off with two questions. What does it mean? for you to be a girl dad and what mm. is something that your daughter has taught you? I always started with those two questions. Okay. So over the episodes of having this, you know, having different fathers answer that question and you're getting the different answers and, and really enjoying, you know, the conversation. I said, well, let me just turn this into a full podcast by itself. And so <laughs> that's how the girl dad discussions podcast was born. And so now we, I think we're on, um, maybe 20 episodes, uh, recorded episodes for that podcast. And like I said, maybe 120 for, for the uh, Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Are you looking for a place to continue to grow and develop, especially in your leadership? How about connecting with others who feel the same way? Hi, I'm Paul Ferrandi, a.k.a. Incredible Paul, and I've got great news for you. The Incredible Paul community is for people who desire to become the most incredible versions of themselves. The community is for individuals who are goal-driven and action-oriented. This community is dedicated to leadership and personal growth 
especially in going deeper in your career, starting a business, or developing a business. Join me in becoming the most incredible version of yourself. Go to incredipal.org slash community to join the waitlist and sign up. I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul dot org slash community. Join the waitlist. I can't wait to see you there. And so on the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, we actually talk about my guests and I discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area mm-hmm. of our lives. So I always I talk about the things that I've been through as, you know, personally. And for the things that I haven't been through, I bring on somebody else who has mm-hmm. been through some things and overcame it. And we talk about that to give the listeners, you know, help and hope with overcoming whatever it is that they're dealing with in their lives. And so I just try to reach as many different topics as I can, you know, in different areas where people are are, are hurting and, and need healing and help. And so that's, that's, that's why I am with the podcast. You are making a tremendous impact with what you, you were doing with the fatherless daughters and just with the deal to heal, the deal, heal and fulfill. I, I love how you, you break it down like that. You're really intentional about helping people who need it the most. And that's, yeah. that is a big part of, of leadership is being able to meet people where they are and not be, just really standing on top and trying to get people to come to you, but you're really meeting people where they are and you're helping them with different struggles and hangups and hurts. That's powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, just, and, and, and I think it's, well, I know most of it, Part of it was, uh, I want to say heredity, but not heredity, <laughs> but just the way I was raised, you know, it's in your blood um, from my mom. You know, my mm-hmm. mom was uh, an awesome person, loving, caring, and she just had a heart for people too, you know, and people were mm-hmm. drawn to her. And I think I got a lot of characteristics and a lot of things uh, from her just naturally um, that kind of have that same energy. And so, yeah, I, I'll give, <laughs> I have to give all props uh, to my mom <laughs> for that. Yeah, shout out to moms. That's that's really cool. Really cool. So I, I know you mentioned that you were you did this and you didn't really see yourself as, as a podcaster at first, and now you have two different podcasts and more on the way. So what was Ernest James doing before all of this? Um, so uh well, is I was in the church. I was raised in the church. First of all, let me let me start there. Raised in the church, my mom was a pastor. That whole thing, and so yeah. I was doing that also. We actually uh, started a church. I was a social minister at a church for like ten years, and wow. then me and one of the other associate ministers, um, he felt the call of God to to start his own church, and mm-hmm. he asked me to go with him to support him, and, and I did. And so he became the. Uh, senior pastor and i was the executive pastor um for like 10 years like 10 years we were doing this and so i was doing that you know in the spiritual realm or a ministry realm uh Mm -hmm. at the church but then my natural my natural job i'm a bricklayer right uh in the trades and and working with my hands that that therefore that's why the brick (laughs) are behind me (laughs) representing Uh, Um, and then just being uh uh just trying to be an example you know, again, I was married and my wife had four sons from a previous marriage. And so definitely being a example to them, uh, young men and to the, their friends. And that's a whole 
other side of you know what I what I do and what I'm trying to do more of. I had actually started a, a male mentoring program right before COVID hit. You know, and we're about to take it into the schools, and then COVID mm. hit and shut everything down. Man. And so I'm, I'm actually in the process of rebooting that, okay, but we're going to good. do it uh, virtual, and then that way we're mm. able to you know keep it going. So yeah, that that's that's really good. So. How are you able to balance? You said you were working in the church for ten years, and you're also a bricklayer, and then starting a podcast. I kind of talk me through like how all these things kind of came together. Yeah, what well, the the podcasting came later. So the okay. podcasting and the speaking in the schools, that stuff. That's what I do now. Okay. So when I was, I, so I've been a bricklayer for seventeen years. Okay. Right. So that was already going. Again, I was born in the church. So I was I was in the church before I was in the trades, you know. Yeah. So that okay. was just normal, uh, you know, kind of normal uh everyday thing for me, yeah. you know. And and even even before I became a bricklayer, uh I guess I I was always still working with my hands, always still doing something like that. Uh, I was a a uh, machine operator, still am machine operator for for years. You know, outside of just building my own things, with, you know, just on my own, and so that's kind of went hand in hand together um, until I became a bricklayer full time. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as the church, like I said, it was something I was doing anyway, so it just kind of came natural. Um, I was already associate minister, already helping in ministry as far okay. as, you know, services and making things, making sure everything ran the way it was supposed to run and things like that. So the transit transition from, you know, being an associate minister to executive pastor was just mm. more responsibility. Yes. But it was already something that I was I was already doing, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. So everything just kind of ran smoothly you know uh the biggest turn was uh the pandemic of course um that changed a whole lot of stuff and more virtual things came you know after that which mm -hmm. again going and that same transition with my my marriage was going through at that same time mm -hmm. and so that led me to again the fatherless daughter space and, and going to you know into in getting on instagram with that, which led to the podcasting. And so here I am. We are actually, we didn't actually kind of bounce back after COVID as far as the church. Um, we were doing virtual. We still do virtual. Um, mm -hmm. but the physical, uh, the physical church didn't really bounce back. Um, mm -hmm. you know, after COVID. So we went to a virtual church and, you know, virtual, you really don't need, <laughs> you don't need two pastors to run that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I kind of stepped down and, and uh, the senior pastor, you know, kind of run, runs the day-to-day the -day, um, for for now. So Okay. No, I, I completely understand. So I, I, was, I was raised in the church as well. So I'm a person of faith. I uh, say Jesus is first and I am second. So I have a great respect for ministers and pastors because I know it can be a, a thankless job at, th at times mm -hmm. that you, you give and give and give. But people don't always know yeah. what you, what you're dealing with, what's going on. So yeah, I just trying to understand and unpack like how all that came together. Yeah. Well, I know one thing you 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 mentioned about um, balance and mm -hmm. um, 
when I was associate minister, I, I was an associate minister at a different church than my home church that I grew up in, right? Because okay. I, I moved states. So when I moved mm -hmm. out of state, I moved to another state. I joined another church. So mm -hmm. it wasn't really into that, that ch church that I was in that I really kind of seen how to balance ministry and personal life by the pastor, right? Because growing up in, in the church that I grew up in, my grandmother was the pastor first. And then my mom became the pastor after my grandmother passed okay. away. And so I lived with my grandmother uh, for a couple of years and, you know, before my mom became pastor. So I saw how that you know, how she operated and how it was like nonstop, you know, yeah. and then after my grandmother passed away and my mom became pastor, it was the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's nine of us as far as siblings. So it was times that we had to step in like, all right, you know, this is when the phone calls stop, you yeah. know, because my mom would just give, 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 you know, people call all time, all kinds of, you know, times of night, one, three in the morning. Oh, oh I need to man. talk to Pastor James, you know, and my mom would answer, you know, if she, you really? know, would give her the phone. So we had to kind of step in and like, look, no calls after 10 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? No, like if you, you have a if something happened, yeah, you got to call Jesus for yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so. But it wasn't until, uh, like I said, I, I moved away. I moved states, and then I joined another church, you know. And it was there that I seen the structure that was set in place. Like uh, my pastor had a secretary, and so on the weekends, um, he would take uh, not Sundays, but it was like Monday, maybe like Monday and Tuesday. I think he would take off, and then the rest mm -hmm. of the you know week he would be in the church. But on mm -hmm. that Monday and Tuesday. You could not get in contact with him. The only one that could get in contact with him on Monday and Tuesday was his secretary. You know, mm -hmm. outside of the immediate family was yeah. the secretary. Yeah. And like you call the secretary. If it's important, important, she will call the pastor. If not, you know, then it will have to wait until Tuesday. Then he's back in the church, you know, because the church was open all day. We had mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff, programs and things going on that mm -hmm. why the church was open. So it was, op it was open every day. Pretty much. And so it was like, so the church is always over. He was always there. But on mm -hmm. those two days, those were his off days, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like you have to put that in place because yes. people will constantly they they won't stop. Yeah, <laughs> they stop. won't stop. So I, I learned that then, you know, and like I said, seeing firsthand of how it when my grandmother was in pastor, it, it didn't stop when my mother became a pastor. It didn't stop. And so when. We started a church ourselves, you know, we had that same structure. It's like, okay, yeah. this is a time, you know, but we was a smaller church, so it wasn't, it was okay. Like, you can call whenever, you know, we might not answer, but you can call whenever. We was a smaller congregation, but okay. yeah, we still had to put some of those things in place. And even in, in our regular lives, you know, uh, just talking about work-life balance, mm -hmm. you know, you have to have time. Like I, I mentioned to before we started recording, you asked me how I was doing. I was like, I just got off work doing 10-hour shifts, and they wanted me to do 12. Well, mm -hmm. the last couple of days, they was like, hey, we need you to do 12. I'm like, no, I'll give you 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so even having that balance, mm -hmm. even in that, it was like, look, at some point, you got to cut it off. And so I was like, all right, I'll give you 10 the last couple of days. Maybe I'll give you 12 tomorrow. But no, I, I, you're <laughs> not, only getting 10 right now. Yeah, work-life balance is, is so critical because especially if you're in a, in a high-stress job or really demanding job, it is really easy for people to take up all your time, 
all your energy and you have to be really intentional about what you said with your pastor who set aside Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm sure there were times that he he wishes because when you are a pastor or minister, you have a heart for people, so you want to help, but you also need to prioritize yourself and your family and really mm -hmm. your your family is your first ministry there. So I, that's that's really critical, and I'm glad you're able to learn that uh, from him and apply that in your life as well. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel stuck? Then coaching might be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L dot org slash coaching, or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. Or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. Yeah. And even, like I mentioned, even in your, your regular life, right? So mm -hmm. I was... Uh, during the pandemic, right? We did the pandemic. So construction, the construction industry or infrastructure, as they call it, mm -hmm. is essential, right? Yeah. So as a bricklayer, I was an essential worker. So mm -hmm. I had to work. Well, outside of bricklaying, one of the other things that I do is home health care. And so the healthcare system got hit too. Mm -hmm. And so as a home health care worker, I also was essential. So I was working two jobs during the pandemic, you know what I'm wow. saying? <laughs> As a bricklayer and a home healthcare aide, Twice taking care essential. of people because, like my 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 clients that I took care of with the home healthcare, we had uh, ten um, people on staff. But when the pandemic hit and COVID hit, and people didn't know what it was and where and everything, and my clients caught COVID, and so. Like I said, we had 10 workers. Everybody stopped coming to work. So it was only three of us that actually would still From come to take care of the clients. 10 down to three? Yes. And, and these clients are 24-hour clients, right? Wow. They need 24-hour care. And so we went down to three. And so the three of us worked around the clock, you know, between the three of us to take yeah. care of these clients during a, during a pandemic. And like I said, I still was doing the, the bricklaying too. So that was yeah. the two jobs like essential workers and everybody else was sitting at home getting free money and I'm like man I want to sit at home you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I want some free checks but I yeah. had to go to work so <laughs> yeah that's why it sounds like you're twice essential on both sides with the yeah. McLean and with the home health care I know for myself I, I was working manufacturing and did a lot of projects and for like a month and a half I didn't travel but then a lot of stuff like you mentioned with construction and capital projects, everything picked up because it's like, we need to mm -hmm. get this done. So I, I was traveling nonstop for a long time, but the airports were pretty free. So it was easy to, yeah. to get through. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, that's really good. So I'm, I'm curious because I know absolutely nothing about Brick Lane and I don't know how much my audience knows if they're, Anything like me, they probably don't know much about Brick Lane. What is something about Brick Lane that maybe with friends or most people don't even think about that is just interesting about your job? 
Yeah. So as a bricklayer, you have you have two types of bricklayer, right? Mm-hmm. We have what we re- we refer to as the outside bricklayer and the inside bricklayer. Okay. Right. So the outside bricklayer would be build the buildings that you see. So if you think of a school or a hospital yeah. or a jail or a prison, those are all built out of block or brick, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that you will be able to see. So there was one uh, big project that I worked on, um, uh, Hobart High School in Hobart, Indiana, when we just did that a couple of years ago, built that okay. school. And that's also something that I like about the construction field and building those structures because you can go back and say, hey, I, I built that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's still standing today. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things I love about construction. Even before I got into brick lane, I was a carpenter building oh, houses. Man. And so I was able to go take, you know, my one of my girlfriends at the time, we was working for a bank. And so the bank had bought this whole block. And so we just mm-hmm. built all the houses on that block. You know, and so I would just go there, you know, drive her over there. I'm like, yeah, I built all these houses, you know. And so um, that's what I like about the outside bricklayer, Mm -hmm. right? So then what you have, you have what's called the uh, inside bricklayer, what we refer to, which is refractory. So if you think about steel mills, gas plants, um, lime plants, uh, glass uh, factories, all of those things have furnaces, Right. And so like when you did making steel, you have to melt the furnace. Well, you have to I mean, you have to melt the steel, you know, in order to be able to use it. And mm-hmm. so you have to uh, melt it inside of a furnace. And so those things people never see, you know, because uh, it's all you know, you can't take pictures and things like that because it's, it's yeah. business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So but those are things that we do. And we go in, we build these furnaces and wow. rebuild them and all of these things, but people never get to see that stuff, you know? And so that's one mm-hmm. of the things like you got one, one part of your job that everyone gets to see. Yeah. And then you got the other part that nobody gets to see except <laughs> people that work there, you know? And even some of the people that work there, like your regular workers, they don't build the furnace. They might run it, but they don't build them, but mm-hmm. we build them. So we're able to see what's actually on the inside. All they know is steel goes in and lava comes out. You know what I mean? Because it comes out once it's melted, it looks yeah. like lava. So yeah. that's all they know. But on the inside, what's actually on the inside and how it works and building it, that's what we do. And most people hardly ever get to see that. Yeah, you see it from the, the inside out. Yeah. That, that's really phenomenal. Well, kind of talk about the inside out and what you do with helping people deal, heal, and fulfill. What are some things that you usually work with people? I know there's a variety of things, and you said some of this stuff you have different people on, on the show focus on different things. But what are some things that you focus on and what you're really passionate about? Well, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about now uh, in this climate is is suicide prevention, mm-hmm. right? And, and suicidal ideation. And I talk about, um, that's one area of it. And then I talk about my own battle with it because of going through depression and things like that, that mm-hmm. I had to deal with. And I'm very vocal about it because as men, a lot of times we hold this stuff in, yeah. right? And so, especially with the podcast and, and being on other podcasts, it's like, okay, I want to, 
uh, build these safe spaces for men, mm-hmm. right? So they know, okay, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to to talk about how you feel and the things that mm-hmm. you're dealing with, the things that you're going going through, instead of holding those things in. And so, but uh, um, because we don't talk about it, a lot of times, you know, we suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm very vocal about number one, you know, my whole story of my depression. And so, what happened with me? I like to say I was in the uh, I went through a season of a D life, right? So I was in debt. I was depressed because of the debt. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going through a divorce. And then my mother-in-law at the time passed away. Uh, she wow. died, should I say. And a little while after that, my own mom died. Wow. And so all those things, and I always say, you know, when when people talk about Others, uh, other people having suicidal ideations. We look at it, and and I'm I'm guilty also myself. Before my experience with it, mm-hmm. we look at it from a, a space of you know what that's all you're dealing with or whatever. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you only see the thing on the top, it's right? And so I say all the time, if it was just the debt, I could handle that. If it was just divorce, I could handle that. Mm-hmm. If it was just the passing of my mom, I could handle that by itself. But when all those things came at the same time, then it was like, okay, it, it was just too much. And so I was under, I really was depressed and really kind of going through and just like, you know what? All these things that I can't control is like taking over my life, you know, and I can't control any of it. I can't stop it. I can't, you know, and so that's kind of where I was. And so I started having suicide ideations. Right. And I started thinking about taking my own life. And so when I talk about it, I'm very vocal about it, of course. And then when I talk about how I got through it, I tell people I got through it by having fun. And I'm a person that's big on acronyms. And so fun is F-U-N, right? Fun. So it stands for focus, unite, and normalize. So Mm -hmm. with the focus, when I begin to focus on myself and all the things that I I couldn't change, I couldn't control, you know, those things, I was like, I felt hopeless and helpless because I couldn't control any of it. Mm -hmm. So I had to take the focus off myself. And so I put the focus on my daughter because at that time, my daughter was probably like uh, seven or eight. And again, she had just lost both of her grandmothers. And mm-hmm. my daughter is a daddy's girl. She's always been a, a daddy's girl. Yeah. So at that time, you know, like I said, she was only seven or eight. And so she was with me all the time. And so my thing was, I had to kind of talk to myself, like, what would happen to my daughter if I'm no longer here? Mm-hmm. You know, and there would be days that I knew she was still dealing with her own uh, uh, grief and things like that, because there would be days when we'd be playing and in the, even in the midst of us playing, she would just stop and start crying. And I would say, what's, wow. you know, what's wrong? What's going on? And she would say, I miss my grandmothers because mm-hmm. both of her grandmothers had passed. You know, and she was still a little kid. And so my focus had to change because I'm like, forget about what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. What would happen to her if I'm no longer here? You know? Mm-hmm. And so I took the focus off myself and I began to focus on my daughter. And now with focus, because I've had this conversation with therapists on my show, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, and on other people's show. And so sometimes they're like, well, we teach people to to focus on yourself and keep the focus on yourself to be able to deal with whatever you need to deal with. So I always make this disclaimer. 
whatever you have to focus on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whether it's focus, focusing on you personally yeah. or whether you put the focus on somewhere else, wherever you have to put the focus mm -hmm. to get your mind off the, the helplessness and the hopeful, mm -hmm. hopelessness, then that's what you focus on. So for me personally, mm -hmm. I had to take the focus off myself and put it on my daughter. Right. And yeah. so that was that's the F for focus. So the U stands for unite. And so when my my mother-in-law passed away, my, my mom passed away, I started going to uh, bereavement counseling. And so I'm big on counseling. I'm big on therapy. I mm -hmm. stand behind that, tell everyone, even if you think you don't need it, go anyway. <laughs> You'll find out that you do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and don't worry about people thinking you're crazy because we all a little crazy we're anyway. Crazy. Don't worry about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I started going to uh, bereavement. And, and taking these uh, bereavement group group therapy, mm -hmm. and it really helped me. It helped me a whole lot. And so, what I learned in that space is you have to unite with people that understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So you have to be vocal about, you know, what this is what I'm dealing with. Let me find this community of people that's dealing with the same thing. Mm -hmm. And with, anything that you go through is somebody else that went through it. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing that you going, you're going through personally that somebody else haven't already been through, mm -hmm. you know, and you just have to find that community. And so when I united with the people uh, who was also going through grief, from losing loved ones and, and being in that space, that space really blessed me to the point that even after my time was up, I stayed and became a volunteer and I became a volunteer, uh, at the, at the, the hospice. It was a hospice. I became a volunteer at the hospice with the bereavement program. And then I actually started a nonprofit organization named after my mom and my mother-in-law who had both That's passed away. Phenomenal. My mother-in-law wow. name was Chris. My mom's name was Ann, so mm -hmm. I named it Ann Christine Charities. Wow. And what I did was take bereavement to our communities. Because while I was there, I think I was there uh, maybe a little over a year. And in that year's time, it was only like two African-American families that came through there, mm -hmm. you know, that came through the program. And I said, yeah. I know it's not because we're not dying, you know, mm -hmm. and I know it's not because we, we don't need it. And so I started the nonprofit and I started taking it to the, the uh, you know, the support groups and the bereavement to the community. And uh, so that came out of that. And so but that came with me from me uniting with like minded people who understood what I was going through. And so the last one is normalized. Right. Well, Which be, is before a, you talk about that, I don't I want to make sure I really highlight that because you mentioned like that you saw there's just black communities that there are only a couple of them and i feel like a lot of times there's this stigma associated with mental health and seeking out um, therapy or psychological whatever it is in uh, in our mm -hmm. communities and i i really love what you did establishing that that, that nonprofit and really doing it to help our community because i know like i because I know you mentioned as far as struggling with, with depression, all these feelings. I know that's something I've struggled with. It's something it, it comes and goes. And like, I, I seek out the help that I need. But I think it's really crucial that you are having these conversations and helping people because all everything yeah. about this show is how people become the most incredible versions of themselves. And you can't do that if you don't feel whole. You're not getting mm -hmm. the help that you need. And I wanted to highlight that before you moved on to end. Yeah, and and you know what? So now the conversation is is in the air now, 
right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about therapy and getting the help that mm-hmm. you need. Well, during this time period, this was like maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. right? When I was when I went through it and I oh, started wow. this. So this was before it became yeah. you know mainstream, should I yeah. say? You know, wow. in our, so now everybody's having the conversation in our communities now. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, but back then. We weren't having the conversations, you know, and that's why I was pressing so hard to do it. And I started the nonprofit because, you know, we weren't having, like I said, I was there for over a year, as many families as I seen come and go because, you know, dealing with grief of their loved ones, it was only two African-American families. And like I said, I, I knew it wasn't because we weren't dying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew per- people were dying. I mean, mm-hmm. we was in the church. Of course, as a church, as yeah. a community, you know of the families, yeah. there's people passing away. Yet, mm-hmm. we weren't doing it. And even when I started it, we had a convention at our church. And so I presented for like three, I did like a three-day uh, workshop, you know, with the bereavement at the church. And I had like 12 to 20 people, you know, that was uh, that took part. In, in the workshop at the church and even their stories, you know, people that I was talking to every day and every Sunday and mm-hmm. didn't know their backstories. And some of them began to tell one lady had after the, after we was done, she came up to me and she was like, I'm mad at you. And I said, why are you mad at me? She was like, because I thought I had uh, healed from my son passing away. Cause one of her sons had, had was killed. Actually, he had mm-hmm. got killed and she had other sons. And so when he got killed, she went into mommy mode to, you know, really pour into her other sons, mm-hmm. but she had never taken out the time to mourn herself. Mm-hmm. And so as we went through that, you know, the, the workshop that I had put together, she was like, you brought all these things back to me, you know, mm-hmm. where I was able to remember and, and grieve, actually grieve because she had never taken out the time to grieve, mm-hmm. you know, and then there was an, another uh, older woman whose husband had passed away. Uh, some years before and in the midst of it, us talking it and, you know, we give the, the uh, people a chance to talk. She began to talk and she was like, I have to admit I'm angry, you know? And she wow. was like, I'm angry at my husband because he left me. Like you weren't supposed to leave me. You know what I mean? Like we were supposed to go together or stay yeah. together, yeah. you know, but you weren't supposed to leave me, you know? And he passed away and she was like, so it's a lot of times she felt alone after mm-hmm. he passed. You know, because again, not dealing with those those emotions, not dealing with that grief, and so yeah, I, it was something that I know is much needed and still much needed in our community, especially mm-hmm. dealing with grief and, yes. and bereavement. Um, yes. So yeah, so I just really felt led at that time, and it was like, all right, I got I got to do this, and so I, I stepped out there and, and started the nonprofit, started doing that work. That that is so amazing. Again, God's definitely using you in a great way. I can, I can just tell where you're talking about the passion you have that this is what you're called to do. It's amazing. But I know you were talking about the end for the, the normalize. What, what oh, is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I took you so... off track. <laughs> I'll bring you back. <laughs> So we it wasn't that far off track because it's still in the same it's in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So with the bereavement, uh, when I was going through the bereavement, one of the one of the terms um, that they talk about is your new normal, right? Mm. Because before your loved one passed away, like in my in my um, 
in my experience, personally, it was my mom. So, of course, you're like, I'm going to see my mom, you know, every other weekend because, again, I, I live in a different state. So, you know, I'm going to see my mom at least once a week. You know, I'm calling. There's days when I'm off work and I'm, I'm the kind of person that just pop up. Right. So I'll just drive out, you know, to my mom's <laughs> house and just pop, you know, pop up. Right. And yeah. so I'm I'm doing that. And that's my normal. Well, when my mom passed away, now I'm not taking those trips no more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now um, my her phone, her phone number is still in my phone with her name. You know what I mean? And I'm not making those phone calls no more because there's nobody on the other end. Yeah. You know, so all those things start to, you know, show themselves like well this is your new normal Mm -hmm. your the new normal is your mom is not here Mm -hmm. and so we have to come to the place where we are able to accept that and live with that Mm -hmm. and realize that okay even though this is a new normal it still can be good i still can have a great life Mm -hmm. i still can you know uh move forward and progress and be happy Mm -hmm. even with this person not physically being here but I have to accept that this is my new normal now. And so when we go back to the the acronym for fun is focus, unite, and normalize. And so those were the things that helped me able to get through my my depression and my thoughts of uh, my suicidal ideations at that time. So I love that framework of shifting the focus. And like, I'm not a therapist either. I do coaching but it's not really in the the mental health space but what everything i know about coaches psychology is what you focus on grows and if you're focusing on yourself and your issues there's a tendency for that to grow bigger and bigger and you can spiral Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's ways to kind of manage it but i love how you're intentional on focusing on your daughter and her needs where which obviously you have to, you'll focus on the needs you have as well to continue to function mm-hmm. but in those moments where you had that suicidal ideation you were intentional on focusing on okay what what does my daughter need in this moment because it's been really easy yeah. to focus on yourself and in, in that yeah and, and and even with that like you said definitely focusing on myself for my needs mm-hmm. and but i think where we get messed up at which where i was at is focusing on the things that you can't do anything about mm-hmm. you know those things so yes. i can wake up god willing i can wake up in the morning mm-hmm. i can wash my face i can go outside and see the sunshine you know let the sunshine on my face all of those things are things that i can do mm-hmm. you know that i can actually have a part in and changing but the the fact that I was going through a divorce, the divorce was going through. That mm-hmm. I couldn't change yeah, that. You know, my mother in law, who I was I was very close to, she passed away. She's not here no more. My mm-hmm. mom's not here no more. The economy tanked, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I was <laughs> I wasn't working. So I was mm-hmm. in debt. I can't do nothing about that. Yeah. You know, all of those things I could not change. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop focusing on that. And focus on the things that I could change. I could change how I operate on a day to day to make mm-hmm. myself feel better in order to bring myself out of my depression. Like I said, get up, wash my face, go outside, let the sun shine on me, take a walk, walk through nature. You know, all of these things that I begin to do and as well as spending time with my daughter and focusing on let me make sure she's OK. 
You know, let me make sure she's dealing with her grief in a positive way. Let me make sure that she still feels loved without the presence of her grandmothers. You know, those are things that I can do, that mm -hmm. I can take, you know, I can focus on. So let me focus on the things that I can change, that I can, you know, mm -hmm. make a difference in. And so when you start focusing on those things and not the tangibles that you can't do nothing mm -hmm. about, then that's when you start able to move forward and kind of come out of, out of that place. So that's that's what works for me. So I, that's why I tell everybody, <laughs> even like I said, having this conversation with therapists, like I can't tell you how to do your job, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can just tell you what works for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. yeah. And, pe and people are different, right? So that might be, that's trying to work for some people, but others that might not work. I know for myself, mm -hmm. that would not work for me. <laughs> so it's it's just and i think being a therapist you you kind of mold it to your client and, and what their needs are so that's part of the yeah, job yeah. <laughs> right but i, I think like each, each person has to really find what works for them mm -hmm. you know and as long as you if you're taking the journey you're in the right direction yeah. because you'll find out you'll find it out you'll figure it out you know but you got to be on the journey to to even find it and so when you step out and say you know i, I want to do something about what i'm dealing mm -hmm. with and not just soaking in the in the depression and, and you know the suicidal ideations not just staying in that place you start working to get out of it you'll find what works for you so yeah Re yeah really being in intentional and that's a, a really key leadership trait is not just letting life happen to you, which what, what, regardless of what you do, life's going to happen to you. But mm -hmm. then you have to be intentional and respond to to life, what is happening, instead of just reacting. Because there's a lot of things that happens. We can't control our circumstances. We can't control what people say about us, what people think about us. But we can control what we say or we respond to in the moment and how we, re we respond to it instead of just reacting. Yeah. And you know, I, I had this conversation uh, recently and it's at the place that I'm at, I'm in now. Right. So over the last three years, my life has changed a whole lot, you know, with different things that I've been able to do. Uh, I've written a couple ebooks. Um, wow. I've started two podcasts. You know, I've stepped into the speaking, the speaking space mm -hmm. as a, a professional speaker. And so all of those things has really happened in the last couple of years mm -hmm. and where it came from was, again, I was going through some issues in my marriage. That's how I got into the fatherless daughter space, but mm -hmm. I ended up getting a divorce mm -hmm. and we went through our divorce, but my, my ex-wife and I have been friends since kindergarten. We went to kindergarten together. So wow. that's how long we've known each other. Wow. Right. And so when we were, when we were teenagers, we actually became each other's first boyfriend and girlfriend. So we've been friends <laughs> our whole life. Yeah. And so, um, we ended up getting the divorce. But one of the things we were adamant about is, okay, the marriage is ending, but we didn't want our friendship to end. Mm -hmm. And so we were very conscious on how we related with each other, how we operated with our family, with our children. And uh, years later, now we're still very close friends. Our wow. family is still tight. You know, her relationship with my daughter is awesome. You know, my relationship with, the, with uh, our sons is good. So but coming out of that divorce, well, you could look at it as divorce is a bad thing. But I often say my divorce was the best thing that happened to me right wow. at that time period, because it was from that, that led me into everything that I'm doing now. Right. I and see. so 
I've learned to, in this space that I am now, especially growing up in the church, where I would say, you know, all things work for the good of those that love the Lord. But the thing is, it's all things because we like to say we like to say all things, but then when something bad happens, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like when something bad happens, like, well, clearly God is not in this, mm -hmm. you know. And so when I look at that, my divorce was a bad thing, you know. My marriage ended; that was bad. But the things that came after that as a result of that mm -hmm. has been amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so now I really live in that space. Like, I don't even care what happens to me because I know that it's working for my good. Good mm -hmm. or bad, I know that God is working for my good. And so that's the space that I, I'm in now. And it's just like, okay, what, what is tomorrow going to bring? You know, mm -hmm. good or bad, I know in the end, God is going to make it work for my benefit. And so I'm just like, all right. You know, what, what's up, world? What you got for me today? You know what I mean? And so I think that's a, a space we have to get to, mm -hmm. you know, not just saying that, but actually believing it. Like mm -hmm. all things, all, A-L-L, -L, all things work for our good. And whether it's in the moment, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't make a difference because in the end, it's all going to work for our, our good. You mm -hmm. know, Joseph couldn't be Joseph without his brothers throwing him in a pit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? They had to throw him in a pit for him to end up in Egypt, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's all part of the story. So all things are working for our good. Yeah, that that's so critical that you mentioned that because throughout life, and I talk about this all the time with rejection and failure and resilience, the only constant we have is that bad things are going to happen that there's no one that goes through life and then everything is smooth sailing throughout their whole life that that's just you're not human at that point and so i think it's really critical you say that all things work together like us people of faith and if you're you're not a person of faith uh, that's fine whatever you you believe in but what we're saying is that being intentional about when those bad things happen think about how can i get something good out of it because the situation mm -hmm. might not be good. It might be terrible, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there and let it beat you down, have those suicidal ideations and end your life. You, There is a way to bounce back. There is a way to build back better, stronger. And it takes time. It takes intentionality, but there's a way to come back stronger than you were before, but you have to make that step whether your framework, the focusing on the right things, uniting with people and normalizing, creating your new normal. I think that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was going to say something. I, I, <laughs> it kind of just went out my mind right oh. before I said it. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh, you're, you're oh I know what I was going to say. Okay, um, you mentioned about the, um, finding the good in, in everything. And so there's a law called the, the law of polarity. And mm -hmm. basically what that what that means is there's nothing that's all good and there's nothing that's all bad. There's good and bad in, in everything, right? Mm -hmm. So there's yeah. no such thing as a one-sided coin. You know, there's no such thing as a one-sided piece of, piece of bread or a piece <laughs> of paper. Everything yeah. has two sides, yes. right? And so there's yeah. a story there's a story I heard about um a, a farmer and the farmer had a horse and his neighbor came over to his house one day and his horse ran away. And so the, the, um, 
the neighbor was like, oh, man, you got bad luck, you know, and the, the farmer was just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's good and it's bad, you know. <laughs> and so the horse came back a couple weeks later with another female horse, right? And it was like, oh, you got great, you got good luck. You know, your horse came back with another horse. And the, the farmer was like, you know, eh, it's good and bad, right? And so the farmer had, the farmer had a son, and his son was trying to, tamed the wild horse that came back with their horse and the horse bucked him off he fell and broke his arm and the neighbor said oh man you got bad luck but then they had a war and a draft came and they was taking all the sons to go to war but because his son's arm was broke they didn't take him he got to stay home so the, <laughs> the neighbor was like oh you got good luck and so the thing the moral of the story Every, there's good and bad in everything, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, even the things that you think is good, there's some bad in it. Even mm -hmm. the things that you think is bad, there's some good in it. You mm -hmm. just have to be able to look for it, you know. And so we have no problem finding the good in the good things, but we have to train ourselves to always look for the good in the bad things, too, because there's always good in it. That's so true, to find the good in the bad things. I, I love that that story too because with getting a broken arm you would think that that's not good but <laughs> it caused him to stay stay at home. Yeah, it's better than going to war, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we are about out of time. It, it really flew by. I love getting to know about you and your story. But I want to make sure I give you time to share about how people can connect with you talk about you talk about your podcast if we share them again how people can watch that where you are in your socials websites all of that yeah yeah so first of all let me again let me say thank you for having me on i really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on um again my name is ernest james you guys can find me at the deal to heal podcast uh or should i say deal to heal with e james podcast as well as the Girl Dead Discussions Podcast. Um, you can find me on all of your uh, podcast listening uh, platforms as well as on YouTube. So if you look us up on YouTube under uh, The Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast, you will find the podcast for... Um, for the deal for deal to heal with E James podcast as well as the uh, Girl Dad Discussions podcast. So definitely want you guys to subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. And also, like I said, I have some other podcasts that's coming up. So those will be on that same channel. So you want to definitely check those out. Um, one of the other things that I'm really uh, proud about is. I've written several ebooks, right? And so this one here, I'm going to show this one. Oh, it's called The Four Core, which is the four core values that every daughter should get from her father. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the core values that, again, I learned from watching my father's relationship with my five sisters, watching my relationship with the fatherless daughters uh, that I dated, and then also my relationship with my own daughter. Mm -hmm. I was able to pull out the four core values that every daughter needs to get from her father, right? And also, I read another ebook. This one is called From Males to Men, wow. which is a male um, mentoring pro, uh, book that I kind of uh, wrote out of my uh, mentoring program, mm -hmm. right? And so I would say that um, you being a male was God's decision. You had nothing to do with that, mm -hmm. but you becoming a man is going to be your decision, wow. right? So the things that you do and the responsibility that you take, 
you know, and the respect that you have is what makes you a man. Mm -hmm. And so those two ebooks are available at ebooksbyejames.com. I made that real simple. <laughs> ebooksbyejames.com. You can find all my uh, other ebooks. I have several others. Um, but those are there, ebooksbyejames.com. And if you forget everything, just remember deal, heal, fulfill.org. Deal, heal, fulfill.org. You go there and you find out more about me and the podcast, as well as the links to my ebooks and to my inspirational shirt line, Deal to Heal Tees. All of that is there at Deal, Heal, Fulfill. Dot org because my mission is to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from your pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And that's me. I'm Ernest James. Thanks for having me. I love it. So amazing. So inspiring. For those of you watching, you already saw it come across the screen. If you're listening, you can go in the show notes if you need to see it. All the links are there. You are an uh, incredible man, Ernest. All the stuff that you do, Thank it you. has been a, truly an honor having you on the podcast. For everyone listening, I hope you got something from Ernest's story, from all he has been through, what he's helping people through as well to deal, heal, and fulfill and become the most incredible versions of themselves. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. And be incredible. Incredible. Incredible.